Raider Nation, it is Friday night. That means it's time for Southern California's only all Raiders talk show. That, of course, silver and black tonight. Tonight, we ask, are the Raiders one of the most improved teams in the NFL? Plus, more unwanted drama in the Raider organization. Dan Ventrell, president, fired, and he's claiming hostile work environment for women. Talk all about it next. Silver and black tonight is right now. There's only one nation, Raider Nation. You're listening to Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. All right, it is Friday night, Southern California. It is Friday night, Raider Nation. Welcome back to Southern California's only all Raiders talk show. That, of course, here is Silver and Black tonight, the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thanks for everybody. I appreciate you being here. Back with us. Lots to talk about on the show tonight. We're going to welcome Sam Mirofsky from Sam and Ash, the legal firm. My attorneys, of course, proud sponsors of this show in the past. A huge supporter of Silver and Black tonight. They have offices in Southern California. They have offices in Las Vegas. Sam's going to be with me to break down the news we heard about the Raiders this week, which I'm going to get to here in this first segment first. So Sam will be with us later this segment. Then after the break... We are going to be joined by Bleacher Reports. Uh, Alex Ballantyne. Alex is a writer there. He did his list of the top five improved teams in the NFL this year. Were the Raiders in that group? They may be, but other people in that top five group might surprise you, might anger you. <laughs> but Alex Ballantyne from Bleacher Report will be with us after the first break. So we got a stock full show here talking first about the Raiders organizational changes, and then we will move into are the Raiders one of the top five improved teams? Bleacher Report says yes. I'm going to blow that for you. Alex Ballantyne says yes. But some of the other things he said may surprise you, so we wanted to get him on the show. So Alex Ballantyne, the talented NFL writer from Bleacher Report, will be with us after the break. But first, got to get into the news of the day, uh, of the week, going back to last weekend. We hope all the moms out there had a mother, great Mother's Day. Hope all you dads gave your significant other uh, and the mother of your children a great day on Sunday. I know my wife, Ellie, we had a great day with her and uh, thanks to her uh, and all she's done for my family and my kids. But we want to get into the news. So last week, it all started with my friend, Alan Snell, who you've heard at this on this show before from LVSportsBiz.com, really one of the only people out in Las Vegas now doing independent journalism. He talked about last week, May 5th, we go back to the dateline, when he talks about the Raiders, the Vice President of Human Resources, and Jeremy Aguero, of course, Aguero from from, uh, Applied Analytics, who was just a huge name. Anybody who watched the whole stadium development, uh, Jeremy was on uh, staff there for like 20 years at Applied Analysis. He helped get the stadium built. He oversaw the project for uh, the local Las Vegas government. Jeremy, of course, joined the Raiders, right? Joined the Raiders to become its chief operations analytics officer seven months ago. But we find out last week 
Not only is he gone after just seven months saying that he just wanted a career change, and and now when the when the other shoe drops, you understand why he left, I think. But anyway, we'll get into that in a second. But also, Jamie Stratton, the longtime VP of Human Resources, gone. So there's two executives. So we thought, wow, that's two. Then you go back to last year, of course, in the post-Gruden era after the coaches. I'm not even counting the coaches. But um, Raiders had a lot of folks leave the front office, of course, Mark Bedane under some kind of cloud of who knows what. Uh, but then then all of a sudden, we're squeaking along, and out of nowhere, Dan Ventrell, who replaced Mark Bedane, remember, on an interim basis, then he became the permanent president of the Raiders, longtime Raider employee, Notre Dame fighting Irish, uh, been around for a long time, also a key figure in the stadium. And getting it built in the project, getting the team to Las Vegas. He was huge in that process along with Bedane. Where Bedane was, Ventrell was. Okay? That's why I was a little bit surprised when he stayed on after. Uh, but he did nonetheless. So we get on May 8th, just three days later, the Raiders released just a very short statement that says, quote, Dan Ventrell is no longer with the Raider organization. We will have no further comment at this time. So again... Not a lot to work with there. It came as a shock to people. And the Raiders have had a lot of changes, yes, but it's been on the scouting side, the coaching side. You expect that with Josh McDaniels uh, and Dave Ziegler there, right? You expected that, and that's cool. It's all upgrades. Everything's been going so so far so good. Now, so Friday afternoon, this all happens. and Everybody's like, what the heck happened? You know, you, you usually, if somebody that's been with the club for 18 years, 18 years, somebody like that leaves... Uh, on their own accord, of course, you know, y'all, thank you for your service and uh, wishing the best of success, right? Or even if you fire somebody and it's on good terms, you say some nice things about them anyway. Thank you for all he's done in the radio organization, blah, 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 blah. Especially Ventrell, who had so much to do with the stadium. So the, the, the terseness, the shortness of Mark Davis's statement on Friday screamed, uh-oh, Okay. So so that comes out, and then Ventrell responds a little while later to the Las Vegas Review Journal, our good friend Mick Akers. And, and I, I, the first thing I want to say, though, is for those of you that are Raider Nation, those of you who say, I don't care what happens off the field, it's all, I don't care as long as they win. No, you have to care. This is the organization. I know you don't see it in every little tiny way, but the business side of the Raiders is just as important as the football side. That's how they make their money. That's how they sell out the stadium. That's how they manage the stadium. That's how they take care of the alumni. That's how they take care of their employees, blah, 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 blah. Okay? So those of you who are tweeting at me, I don't really care about that stuff. Who cares? You should care. It's the organization. You want your organization healthy all the way around. Now, Ziegler, McDaniels, off to a great start. As I've said for weeks on this show, amazing what's going on so far. I, I, high marks, right? They got to play on the field, but high marks so far. So anyway, so Ventrell tweets back, or should say texts back, our good friend Mick Akers saying, quote, I've committed almost 18 years of my life to the success of the Raiders as general counsel and president. I take that responsibility, responsibility very seriously, which is why multiple written complaints from employees that Mark Davis created a hostile work environment and engaged in other potential misconduct caused me grave concern. He did not demonstrate the warranted level of concern. Given this, I informed... I informed the NFL of these issues and of Mark's unacceptable response. Soon thereafter, I was fired in retaliation for raising these concerns. 
Brian McCarthy from the NFL then several hours later commented, quote, we recently became aware of these allegations and take them very seriously. We will promptly look into the matter. So more drama. When I was writing and talking about on this show, hey, it was great. The Raiders, the last last week's show was entitled basically drama-free draft. Yes. Not only was it a drama-free draft, but it was held in Las Vegas. Such a great look for the Raiders and Mark Davis. And then all of a sudden this. Now, I want to make the caveat here. I believe in innocent until proven guilty. So anybody who wants to jump to conclusions, fine. And that's both ways, right? So I'm not going to say he's guilty because I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I've, I have people inside the organization, several, not just one, several, who tell me that it's not a good work culture right now because of all the changes, Bedane, everything. And you can imagine that from last year, right? And plus, a lot of people came from the Bay Area. They're not happy in Las Vegas. They want out. Okay, so you've, you kind of take that with a grain of salt. That happens. But this Ventrell thing is very interesting to me because it, it, it specifically names Mark Davis. And that's just odd to me. Because I've never, I mean, you hear a lot of things about Mark Davis. People make fun of his appearance and his, his wealth and all that kind of stuff. But I've never heard anybody talk about Mark Davis harassing anybody or being, being a bad boss or any of that stuff. Okay? So that is very unusual. And we don't know the truth yet. We don't know what the truth. We may never know the truth. Okay. And it's a legal issue. So I, I've been hard on Mark when he doesn't comment on things for the team, especially with the Gruden stuff and all that. But in this case too, and I know that was legal as well, but there was a different precedent here. This is different. This is inside the house. There's obviously some things going on uh, on Raider way and Henderson and they got to take care of them. Now, whether Vantrell had some beef or whatever, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens, but we have to talk about it. So anybody who says you're not going to talk about it, you have to care about your whole organization, not just the coaches and the players. You want everybody to be doing well. After all, that president is the boss of the general manager, works hand in hand with the owner to make sure the franchise is in good condition. So anyway, so to talk about this, we're going to bring on our good friend, Sam uh, Marofsky from Sam and Ash, and we're going to go out on our phone line, on our newsmaker line, and we're going to bring in Sam now. All right, Sam, great to have you back on the show. How you been, my friend? Great, Scott. Thanks. Uh, good to hear your voice. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, of course, any legal issue, uh, you know, I got to call you. It doesn't matter what it is. Uh, and, and so we come right to you with this Raiders situation. I mean, you have this situation, Sam. You have a longtime employee, Dan Ventrell. He's fired. And then uh, the Raiders make a very kind of terse statement that he's no longer with the Raiders, which was odd because this is a guy who's been there 18 years. Then Dan Ventrell comes back several hours later and says, hey, I left because I it was a hostile working environment for women. Uh, and and so, so I want to understand first, before I get your opinion on it, let's first talk about what is the legal definition of sort of a hostile work environment? What does that mean? Well, it's... It's basically when you're being harassed, uh, you know, for for no, for no reason, right? And and it's it also goes hand in hand with retaliation, right? So if there's any kind of if the, if you're being singled out in retaliation for uh, for doing the right thing, for reporting, you know, some 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 bad behavior, which is what you know what what's being alleged here. Um, but but it, it's it's a it's a loose definition. It's very subjective because it depends on you know on on the t type of you know type of words that are being used. If there's abusive behavior, so courts will look uh, at, at that kind of thing and, and weigh to see to determine if a reasonable person 
uh, would feel that the behavior that they're and actions they're being subjected to would be considered abusive. Now, when you look at that, that that's interesting. And, and, and of course, you know, you're talking about, uh, again, this was Dan Benchell is an attorney himself, right? So this is a, an interesting piece that we'll get to in a minute. But Sam, when you look at that definition, how you just described the hostile work environment where you're being harassed, or there's something happening where you're not able to be comfortably doing your job without some sort of harassment happening. How hard is it for you for, for you to either fight this or prove this in court? Or, or, or is this usually in your view? I know most people think of lawyers and cases and that they go to court, but most of the time they end in settlements. Is this, do you think more of a settlement play? Because is this really hard to prove or is it pretty easy if you have the, if you have the evidence? Okay, so uh, not speaking about the Ventrell situation, right. but just, just in general. generally, right? Yeah. So, look, if you can prove that there's been, you know, a, a unwelcome conduct, harassment, you have text messages. I'll give you an example of a, of a real situation that I've, you know, I've seen. Uh, you know, so you've got text messages from your boss, you know, at 630 in the morning, get out of bed, you lazy F, you know, yeah. uh, you're, you're, you know, what are you, how bad are you going to be at your job today? You know, mm. can't wait to get, I mean, the, you know, there are employers who legitimately bosses who send text messages like that. And it was, it's terrible, of course, but what's great about it legally is very easy to prove. Mm -hmm. It's in writing. It's traceable. It's got a timestamp on it, and and you can bring those up and you can cross examine, uh, you know, either in court or even before then taking a deposition that particular uh, supervisor and, and say, look, explain to me the context of this text. And they usually look at you and go, ah, <laughs> uh, because you can't because you're being a giant a hole, right? So this. Um, it's that kind of thing. Now, you, the other thing typically you then have to prove is you have to prove that it ne negatively, you know, impacted you, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, but that's again, another, that's a subjective standard too, right? Because you have to, you, 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 guy gets up there, you know, the victim gets up there and goes, well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I got fired and I, or I had to quit. I quit because I couldn't take it anymore. And, 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 you, you know, it's really, that's where juries decide, you know, do, do the facts lend themselves to support what's being what's being alleged and if the person was happy and everything was great and they were getting everything was good and then suddenly had a boss that started you know chewing them out for no good reason and then the person quit well yeah then that's that now you've got the elements of the case ventrell you know this particular there's not a lot of information available mm -hmm. so a little bit of this is for me reading tea leaves one i'm I I really think the Raiders, for the most part, and I do a lot of things wrong, and I'm I've, I'll criticize them when they do. But <laughs> you know, but they're they're not they don't they don't do things knee jerk, right? They don't seem to at least. And yeah, Ventrell's a lawyer, but he, the, the the Raider organization has a a deep bench of very sophisticated legal talent. Mm -hmm. And Davis does not strike me again as a person who shoots from the hip. Nor does he seem like the person – we know this, right? We, he, we know that he makes decisions, he deliberates on decisions, and he runs them by people. So to me, this – this th th to me, I am very – I'd be very surprised if what is being alleged here is 100 percent true. Yeah. There might be an element of truth to it, but there's, there, there very well may not be enough to prove that this was a retaliatory firing, Right. right? And, 
and that's the comp- there's that's why I keep coming back to retaliation because what's being alleged here is that there was a hostile environment, uh, you know, report given, and then and then it was dismissed, and and as a consequence of the dismissal and the conflict over that, then then Ventrell was was fired himself in retaliation for bringing these these allegations to to Mark Davis and others in management. My good friend Sam Mayorovsky is our guest here. He is, of course, uh, with Sam and Ash uh, Law. You can also follow him uh, on Twitter, which is very entertaining, and uh, his handle is at What's Right Sam. You can also catch his radio show in Las Vegas. Go to samandashlaw.com, by the way. You can check them out. And Sam, before I let you go, you know, you look at this case, and, and I do have people inside the organization that I talk to um, uh, on background, and they have all complained about some morale issues with the Raiders, of course, because they've had a lot of turnover. That's not that's not anything new to me, and I've known about it. I haven't really talked about it publicly because, obviously, when you talk to some of those folks, you don't want to uh, put them in jeopardy. But in this situation where you have that and you have a lot of turnover uh, and you have a claim like this and then you have the NFL involved in it, um, how hard is it, though, for a, a legal team to kind of make sure that the issues are identified correctly and that you stay cooperating, but at the same time protect your organization? Well, now, of course, with this allegation being made public and with, you know, maybe litigation that will follow, uh, they're going to follow – they're going to have to follow very strict protocols on, on, on everything. I, uh, I, I – again, they're going to run an investigation. They're going to – you know, and I, I've, I've been through this. Uh, I've been on the, the giving end of this and on the receiving end too, and, and uh, you know, I've had – you know, whenever somebody makes an allegation and – you know, first thing you do as a as an employer, you go, well, this is this is BS and and not fit, not right. But you have to run a process. You have to hire outside counsel. The outside counsel comes in and they interview everyone because Everybody. you can't use somebody that wasn't was tainted by the process from before. So you have right. to use somebody totally on the outside. You go through, you investigate, you interview everybody. But morale issues—that's one thing. You know, a hostile work environment, retaliation, that's a whole other animal, and they'll have to prove it. They will have to do it. Sam, as always, when we have uh, legal interpretation that we need, we come to you. My friend, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Scott. Great to be with you. Sam Mayorofsky, a good friend of this show. Man, so there he lays it out, you know, and, and I think that this is what I was saying at the beginning of the show, and that is... I don't necessarily believe that these allegations are true, but there's a due process. I think Mark Davis, with his history uh, of of of, equi- of equitable workplaces and and around diversity, I just don't I don't see it. Especially since this allegation was aimed directly at Mark Davis, according to Ventrell's statement. Now, I guess we'll see maybe some details as they conduct the investigation. Uh, but it, it's 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 really interesting, and and we'll have to see how it all plays out. But always good to get Sam's perspective on that as well. Make sure again follow him on Twitter at What's Right Sam, and check out his radio show in Las Vegas. You can link to it off the SamAndAshLaw.com website. A, a true, just great friend of mine personally, also my attorney, uh, but also somebody who supported the Raiders, Raider Nation in this show over time. He also supports Raider Nation Radio, where I used to have my show. So kudos to him. All right, it is time for us to step aside for our first break. When we come back, Raider Nation, we're going to talk about are the Raiders one of the most improved teams in the NFL this season? We're going to talk with Alex Ballantyne. He's an NFL writer with Bleacher Report. We're going to ask him. He's going to tell us if they made the cut, which 
I think they did, but why and who else is there that may surprise you? You're listening to Silver and Black tonight only here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Don't go anywhere, Raider Nation. We will be right back with Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. To Scott and Mo on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back, Silver and Black tonight here on a Friday night, Southern California. It's springtime. How you doing? It's not too early to talk about football. That's what we do here every Friday night. Remember, this is Southern California's only all Raiders talk show right here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Scott Branson with you. Thanks for being with us. By the way. The Raiders, of course, a really underrated sign. You know, one of the things in the NFL a lot of fans fail to realize is that depth is everything. And I'll tell you what, the signing the Raiders had this week uh, with linebacker Kenny Young, the veteran, uh, coming over, of course, was uh, a fourth-round draft pick by the Ravens in 2018, a UCLA kid, uh, just signed with the Rams in 2019, was traded to the Broncos as as part of that deal. Uh, coming to the Raiders, I mean, last season, 13 games with the Rams and Broncos, started 25 in his career. He is a good inside linebacker that gives this team some depth. Uh, they let Justin March go. Uh, he was signed in December uh, and uh, by Gruden's uh, crew, or I should say, the remnants of Gruden's, Gruden, uh, Gruden's crew. Excuse me. Let me get it out. But uh, but a good signing by the Raiders, so they remain active in the free agent market, and we'll see them continue to do that. No, it wasn't a running back this time. They got enough of the running backs, am I right? But uh, the Raiders continue to tinker with the roster, and hopefully we'll start to see some movement along the offensive line. But... Uh, a good a good signing, nonetheless, as we start to inch towards the summer, once we get past the mini camp, uh, and then it'll go into the dead period, which is the worst part of the football year, in my view, altogether. But uh, a good signing, nonetheless, Kenny Young is now a member of the Las Vegas Raiders. All right, we're going to switch gears now. We're going to talk about the Raiders and how much did they improve with the draft, these free agent signings, all the things they've done since Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels have stepped foot in the building on on uh, Raider Way in Henderson. How good have they have they gotten? Are they one of the best and most most improved teams? In the NFL, well, my next guest is going to talk to us about that because he just wrote a piece about it. Alex Ballantyne, NFL writer for Bleacher Report, uh, has his top five, the most top five improved, or I should say the, the top five improved NFL teams 
so far this off season. If you haven't read that, go up uh, and check it out on uh, BleacherReport.com. Of course, my usual co-host, Mo Moten, also a writer there. You can follow Alex on Twitter at Ballantine, B-A-L-L-E-N-T-I-N-E underscore Alex. All right, Alex. Alex, thanks for joining us here on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's jump in here. What I want to start with is, so people understand, is uh, what you did in this piece on Bleach Report, and we're going to link it in the description below. So if you haven't read Alex's great piece, go ahead and do that. Um, But what you did here is you looked at the five most improved teams so far, coming off the draft, coming off of uh, what was already transpired in free agency or trades as well. But walk us through your criteria when you uh, put pen to paper, so to speak, in writing this piece on Bleacher Report. So, yeah, uh, the thing that was interesting to me about kind of doing this and taking a look is I, I feel like a lot of the pre, a lot of the offseason content that we do looks at kind of free agency in a vacuum, looks at uh, the draft in a vacuum, and kind of gives, you know, I feel like everything sort of leans towards long term. You know, uh, we make judgments based on, you know, what kind of value everybody gets in the draft, what kind of value everybody gets in free agency. And so what I wanted to kind of do is just ask the very simple question, who did the most to be better in 2022? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of where um, that kind of came from. Uh, one of the things that I looked at was, you know, where were they at 2021? How many games did they win? And then where is the over-under um, kind of at um, in terms of what are the expectations now? Um, and so that was kind of a baseline, but just sort of asking that. So I, I including a team like, uh, like the Jets, who had, uh, you know, a great draft, probably one that is going to form their team for the next – four years, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, we're, we're probably not going to see the returns on that in 2022 necessarily. So tried to tried to do something a little bit different um, in terms of looking. So I kind of weighed free agents a little bit more than rookies um, and, and kind of asked who is that team, who are those teams that are ready to make a leap relative to where they are. Yeah, no, that's a great way because I, I wanted to couch it that way and have you describe it because – uh, you know, Raider fans are really passionate. So so if we start talking about some of these teams on the list, they're going to say, oh, they're not better than the Raiders, and that wasn't the point. The point was <laughs> the point was who got better. Uh, so that criteria is great. I appreciate you laying that out. So we're going to start with your number five ranked team, which is the Raiders. Um, why did they make the list, and how significant, in your view, was their improvement? I mean, here's a team that uh, I've always said, and sometimes fans get mad at me for it because I'm objective. I'm not doing the, the show as a fan is is look they kind of backed into the playoffs after everything they went through though they did what they had to do they beat the chargers of course uh to get there as well in the division uh what did you like about what they did in the offseason uh that they they slipped in here at number five so yeah so and i, I like to use uh slipped in there because i know i got a few comments uh from raiders fans who are very passionate <laughs> fans by the way i know uh, you did there's no you way know, you weren't going to get comments <laughs> That basically, you know, comments like, how could he say they barely slipped in? And I'm like, well, okay, first of all, we're talking about the top five teams in the 32-team league. So yeah. I'm obviously pretty high on what they did overall. Um, but so I'll start with kind of why they were fifth mm-hmm. um, for me and, and why they weren't necessarily ranked higher. Is the, the offensive line is obviously a huge concern. Um, and so uh, so I'll, I'll start with the, the bad first and then get into the good. You know, obviously, you know, they finished 28th in, in the PFF rankings last year. Uh, for, you know, how much ever value you put into those. You know, Josh Jacobs was 41st in yards before contact. So, you know, obviously there were concerns there, and they did not do anything to kind of 
improve the offensive line other than, you know, a few signings here and there, drafting Dylan Parham, uh, all that kind of stuff, uh, which, you know, could make a, a marginal difference. Um, but so I'll get to, you know, my favorite thing they did was on the defensive side of the ball. I think uh, being able to basically turn uh, Yannick Ngakwe into Rocky Sin, mm-hmm. um, who's going to give them a starting corner, you know, which um, in my perspective, whenever you're talking about an NFL defense, to me the most important positions are, are the edge, you know, your pass rushers and your corners. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that to me is where in, in today's passing league, that's where you build an elite defense. Um, and so for me, what I really like um, even more than the offense, um, which we'll get to here in a second, but, you know, for them to be able to basically turn Yannick Ngakwe into Rocky Sin and then go out and sign Chandler Jones, which basically, you know, I think the Jones is, uh, you can argue about Jones versus Ngakwe, but obviously Jones is just a better fit. Um, you know, Josh McDaniels is obviously very familiar with him. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's just a better fit. And so for them to basically either get marginally better, you know, across from Max Crosby um, or uh, and be able to add those two corners uh, with Averett and Rocky Sin, I think that that's huge. Yeah, no doubt about so, it. Yeah, and uh, I would say on, on offense, uh, you know, as much as I would have liked to have seen some more moves uh, for the offensive line, you know, they were obviously pretty limited. I was I was looking back um, at you look at cap space before the offseason started, and it's really impressive the Raiders are on this list because, you know, unlike the Chargers or some of the other teams um, that had a ton of money, you know, the Raiders mm-hmm. were kind of in the middle of the pack um, and were st- still able to do that. So, um, you know, I think getting Devontae Adams obviously shifts the entire offense because it takes the load off of, um, you know, everybody else is basically playing a different role. You know, Darren yep. Waller does not have to essentially be the top receiver anymore. Hunter Renfro is going to have a lot more space to operate. So kind of, you know, the, the few differences that they did make on offense, I feel like will pay dividends. No doubt about it. Again, we're talking to Alex Ballantyne. He writes about the NFL for Bleacher Report. We're talking about his top five improved NFL teams, which the Raiders were ranked number five on that list. And Alex, I wonder too, I mean, look, the Raiders didn't have a first or second round draft pick because of the Devontae Adams trade. They go get Dylan Parham, who you talked about. He's a versatile kid. He can play. I mean, I think he's going to play guard, obviously, where he played most, uh, but he can move around if you need him to. Does this ranking for the Raiders, do they move a little bit higher than that if they were able to maybe, let's say, move up in the draft and and draft a more stout offensive lineman? Or do you think that they're more than just one player away from uh, uh, making that right side of the offensive line better to make you more, more confident that they have it all set away? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it would have been difficult for them to come away from the draft, just given the capital they had. Mm-hmm. Even moving up, you know, uh, rookie rookie lineman, you know, expecting a, a huge a difference maker out of a rookie, even a first-round rookie. You know, if you look at the history of first-round draft picks, well, I mean, you, you know, Alex Leatherwood at this time last year, <laughs> we would have thought, well, you know, he's going to potentially help turn things around. And, and you just really never know with that. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I think that – you know, given, like I said, given the resources they had, I think that they kind of were stuck a little bit in terms of, you know, what are we going to fix? What are we going to spend our money on? Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure that that would have helped. Yeah, and I mean, you, as you have a great point about the offensive line there too, especially rookies. It's it's a, it's a tough position to play, and usually you see that jump right from year one to two. We saw it with Colton Miller, who was a a first round draft pick, who was probably at the time most believed draft too high by John Gruden 
coming out of UCLA, but he turned it around and he's had a, a very good young career here and he continues to get better. Um, let's go. So, so that's it on the Raiders, but I want to go into the rest of your list because Raider fans will have uh, so, some angst with it because of the teams mentioned, but it's going to get to a larger question that I have for you as well. So if you look at the rest of the list at number four, the Jacksonville Jaguars at number three, the Miami Dolphins, but then your top two teams that improved during this offseason are AFC West foes of the Raiders. You have number two, the LA Chargers, and number one, the Denver Broncos. Let's start with the Chargers. You talked about all the cap space they had. What did you like about them, and why have they been able to improve themselves in, in which area? Yeah, so kind of going back to what I said earlier, I think that the big thing is um, you know, they had very identifiable needs, and they addressed mm-hmm. those needs really well. So, you know, last year they were fourth in offensive efficiency and the defense was terrible. So it kind of makes it easier, in my opinion, for a team to improve when they have kind of that one glaring thing, you know. Mm-hmm. They were able to keep their offense together. Um, you know, they didn't really lose any any major uh, pieces of that offense, um, you know. And then they went out and they got Khalil Mack, who is still obviously an elite edge rusher. And then they went out and got J.C. Jackson, who's one of the best corners in the league. So, you know, earlier, kind of my personal preference is, you know, the edge and the corner are your two most important positions on defense. And they went out and they got elite guys in both. So, you know, and, and again, they were at an advantage because they were in that position and mm-hmm. they are, you know, from a roster construction standpoint, they're in the, the heyday of, you know, uh, Herbert's rookie contract. Um, <laughs> so that's, you know, they're in that sweet spot, you know, and, and uh, so the reality is, I mean, they were always going to have a head, a, a leg up, you know, they should be on this list. Um, and so, yeah, um, I think that they just did a good job with the resources they had. Yeah, and they addressed the offensive line last year, right? So they kind of got that beefed up for their young quarterback, and so they had the opportunity and the capital, as you mentioned, to go out and address some of those other positions. All right, then of course, number one, the Denver Broncos. So, so the, believe it or not, I mean, yes, Raider fans hate the Chiefs and the Chargers, but the Broncos kind of have a special place. And so Russell Wilson going there. How much of the number one ranking was Russell Wilson? What else did they do that you looked at Denver and said, "Wow"? This this team has really made an adjustment and gotten better. Well, I, I mean, I, I will say the the quarterback aspect of it is huge. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think in the article I compared it. You know, they they basically upgraded from a Ford Focus to a Rolls Royce, <laughs> um, and 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 that's kind of you know what it is to me because when you have a guy like Teddy Bridgewater back there, um, you know he's he's a game manager to use kind of the cliche term. You know, your ceiling is kind of limited, um, and so. Uh, to be able to bring in a guy that has won and bring in a guy that can still play at an elite level, in my opinion, and, and you give him kind of the young tools. And and one thing that they also benefited from is I, I included coaching changes in this. So, you know, and the Raiders also got a boost from that because I think just bringing in McDaniels, who, um, you know, I think has probably learned a lot um, from mm-hmm. his last head coaching stint, um, you know, that helped them out. But it also, you know, I think bringing Nathaniel Hackett, who, kind of has that offensive background working with Aaron Rodgers um, and, and just having that kind of success, bringing him in um, and, and what he's going to be able to do for that offense. Um, so outside of that, I think that a big thing for me was them being able to essentially replace Vaughn Miller now, you know, even though they traded him uh, earlier, um, but basically replacing him with Randy Gregory, replacing him with Nick Benito, uh, kind of what they did to replace the pieces they, they missed out on the trade. Um, so, you know, they lost Shelby Harris, but they got DJ Jones. So it's like every every hole that they had, they sort of had an answer for. So, you know, just looking at the whole thing, I think they're the team that kind of made themselves from, 
you know, had they not gotten Russell Wilson, we would obviously be putting them very easily at the bottom of the AFC West. Yeah, which and is tough. Yeah. yeah, it's tough, and 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 I think yeah, I I argue with some Raider fans too because they thought, well, it's the Russell Wilson. He's not the same player, and I I disagree. I actually think he's got a lot left in the tank, and and the Broncos look they've they've had problem at quarterback. It's been the bane of John Elway's existence since he's been involved with the franchise and in that position, and they certainly address it. And I like Russell Wilson. I think he's going to bring uh, the leadership and and obviously the skill set at quarterback that they've lacked for these years. Now, Alex, when we look at this AFC West, I mean, all these things you're talking about, there is like a, a 1980s Cold War arms race going on in this in this division, right? I mean, you look at what everybody's everybody but the Chiefs now, but the Chiefs have... Uh, Mahomes, which again, Raider fans don't like him, but he's he's an amazing athlete and a great quarterback. I argue he hasn't gotten better. Doesn't mean he's gotten worse. It's just it, it, he and he lost pieces obviously around him. But when you look at this AFC West, Alex, as somebody outside that that's not uh, swayed by any team in the in the division, um, is this the most improved division in football? And second, is it maybe the best division in football? So, yeah, so I actually uh, wrote an article um, right after the first week of free agency where I ranked the divisions, and uh, I think the AFC West was far and away the best then, and uh, there's nothing that's really changed that fact. I mean, and you know, I thought about this list, and once I – because, you know, I didn't think about that. I, I tried to isolate each team and how much better they got, and then once I got to my top five, I'm like, well, three of them are in the AFC West, <laughs> and the other one has Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, yeah. it wasn't one of those, like uh, – intentional things it's just i think you're 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 right on there with the arms race aspect of it and it's like you know one of these you know at least one of the teams on this list i'm gonna look real dumb uh whenever the season's <laughs> over because obviously uh, all four can't make the playoffs so um you know it's one of those things where i would i mean i think that each team in this division would be the favorite to win at least one other division in the nfl mm. so i mean i think it's nearly unprecedented um you know to have that kind of uh, depth in a division. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I've said all along, I think going in, like people want to rank the division. Oh, who's going to win the division? I think it's going to be a week to week thing with this division, meaning that, you know, uh, again, the war of attrition with bodies and all that stuff that, you know, you might go a two or three week stretch where Kansas City is better than anybody in the league. Then you might go two or three weeks where Denver and then two or three weeks where the Raiders. And I think it's going to be an up and down thing. It's going to be exciting to watch. And I know, Alex, you'll be on top of it. Alex Ballantyne, NFL writer with Bleacher Report. You can follow him on Twitter again, at Ballantyne underscore Alex. Alex, we'll get you on again real soon, man. We appreciate you spending so much time with us today. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. Well, there you go. A a complete out of the AFC West guy talking about the AFC West and obviously positive words to say, as he should, with the Raiders and what they've been able to do so far in this offseason. And, you know, he brings up the point. Mo and I talked about it last August about this offensive line. It still is an issue, but don't you feel much more confident with this current regime to address the issue? I, I certainly do. I think that they've made, and, and the reason Alex had the Raiders as the number five most improved team in the NFL this offseason was because of those moves, because of what Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler have been able to do, the dynamic duo, what they've been able to do so far is impressive. Now, I know you're not going to be happy with the Chargers and the Broncos being number two and number one on the list. That does not mean the Chargers and Broncos are better than the Raiders. He was not saying that. I know you guys get that. You're smart. 
But but again, the improvement in the division, the only team that didn't quote-unquote get markedly better was the Chiefs. But they won the division, right? They won a Super Bowl a couple years ago. And again, yes, they might be having some bumpy road right now. Uh, but going in, they still have to. You, you still have to look at them as a team to beat because of Mahomes, because of Andy Reid. That doesn't mean that the Raiders won't do it. That doesn't mean that the Raiders can't win this division because I think they have a damn good chance of being right there. They can put this all together, stay healthy, relatively speaking, get that offensive line addressed. I think they have a great shot, and I think to see the Raiders as that most improved team, the Raiders made improvements the last three or four years. But never this jump. And I think to see the national media, which I know Raider fans love to get credit in the national media, you know, Alex's piece on Bleacher Report, again, linked in the comments below in the, in the description below. You, you, could, you could find that. So it's great news for the Raiders. Again, the signing of Young this week shows, again, them addressing that depth issue. Now they just need to do it on the offensive line. If they can get that offensive line into pretty dang good shape. And I know you can say the Bengals made the Super Bowl with a crappy offensive line, but that's not where you want to be. <laughs> you don't want to be lucky. You want to be good. Good, not lucky, right? So I think they're going to get there. And it's an exciting time, as I said a couple weeks ago on this show, to be in Raider Nation. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's show. I want to thank Alex Ballantyne, of course, my good friend Sam Mayorowski for being with us to talk with us here on Silver and Black tonight. Uh, and also thank you guys for being with us and um, we're getting closer to that dead time in football but hang in there bright days ahead for everyone here at Silver and Black tonight make sure you follow us on Twitter SND tonight also make sure you subscribe if you missed the show live subscribe to our podcast feed and you will get it right on your phone for everybody here thanks Raider Nation appreciate it have a great week and we'll talk to you next week Thank you for joining us. Please catch Silver and Black tonight, every Friday at 6 p.m. on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.